You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Well, I think this is it. We've been doing this for almost a year. Uh, it's very close, yeah. Uh, I'm Andre Prue from AndreWineReview.ca. And uh, after, I think, five or six glasses in, I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. Now, there isn't actually a fireplace <laughs> crackling in the background right now, but given that we're in the end of December and hopefully it's a little cooler... I hope you're warming yourself by the fire that you can hear in the background right now. Let, let's just listen to it crackle for a second. Are those chestnuts I hear? I think so. My goodness. But yep. it is after Christmas now. Yep. And we're getting ready for New Year's. Yep. If not after New Year's. I'm sorry. I'm not sure when we're doing this. I mean, now we're... I think I think it is going to be just before the New Year that we are going to release this one. So this is kind of that, you know, you're sitting around. You've, you've probably had too much to eat. You've probably had too much to drink. And you're going to listen to us ramble about something because hopefully you've got something better to do, but <laughs> not anything better to do than listen to us ramble. Well, and we've never done really a podcast like this because usually we, we pick a topic and ramble on about it. But we've been fortunate enough to be given several new releases from some wineries, both Our- in Niagara and Prince Edward County. And we thought it might be fun to do some live tasting notes because when we got together to taste these wines... There was definitely some disagreement happening. There was definitely. There was some argument. There was some disagreement. I think there was some name-calling. There was some name-calling. So we thought, you know what? Instead of doing this uh, in front of your guests, who sometimes maybe people can hear in the other room, we said, screw it. We're going to get this on tape before we lose that buzz. Yep. And uh, Oh, I'm not losing this buzz anytime <laughs> soon. So we've, we got about a dozen wines. Um, just between the two of us and we talked on the phone and I said I'm going to be in in Toronto this day Uh, I can bring I can bring seven wines and you said I've got five so we had 12 wines yep (laughs) seven five twelve yeah so that's what we did and we started with bubbles and then you had just been to Prince Edward County yes and um, I was actually, I'll, I'll put a cheap plug in there. I was in Prince Edward County with my fellow columnist for Torontoist, Robin LeBlanc. Okay. And uh, she needed to taste some of the beers in Prince Edward County. But I managed to sneak in a few winery stops. So obviously beer and wine, we had to stop at Hinterland. There, there was some interest. Uh, like when I was in Prince Edward County, we, we did also a, Wait, a beer stop. Wait, shameless plug. She's the co-author of the Ontario Craft Beer Guide, which is a great book if you're just looking for kind of an A to Z on what's happening in the province and beers to taste. And we, uh, and she obviously would have gone to uh, Barley Days. Yes. And uh, obviously Hinterland. And, uh, sorry, Lake on the Mountain Brewing Company. There's six in the county, but wow, we're not I didn't a beer even podcast. Hear about oh, yeah. oh, wow. Okay. We'll get into that. Maybe, another, maybe we'll get Robin in here sometime. And we'll That'd be kind of cool, beer. actually. Yeah. I think that'd be great. Have yeah. her bring some beers and stuff like that. Uh, but, uh, so you were in the county. So, um, now, of course, we had... 12 wines to taste and just to prove that we're on the up and up we only are going to talk about the wines we really really liked that's right there Uh, were a few that didn't quite cut the mustard correct Uh, but you know we did disagree on some of these wines also but one of us actually liked one of these wines or or, uh, some of these wines so we thought we'd bring them up so the first one we are going to talk about is the hinterland 2016 Ancestral, the baby maker, and you uh, you informed me how this. I didn't realize that uh, that it was made so quickly. I thought there was at least a lag into the next year, but this is really a 2016 Gamay, is it not? It's it is a 2016 Gamay, and uh, I had a chance to taste this one in the county on on the last weekend. Uh, 
which I guess would have been early December. But um, what I found interesting about this particular wine was there was a spice note that was punching through it that you don't normally find. I, I never mean, got spice. Well, they call it the, the baby maker because it's 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 light. It's sweet. You know, it's, it's a little sweet. bit off drive. It's, it's got that red. Fruit. It is balanced. Yeah. I'll give you that. It's it's got a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of cherry. I don't. This is not disparaging, and it's not Trump esque no. in any way, shape, or form. When I say it's a ch- it's a chick wine, it really <laughs> is. It's the kind of wine that you can pour with your girl. They call it the baby maker because children have been conceived under the influence of this you wine. You will be wine. getting some if you pour enough of this wine. There is no doubt about that. Seven point five percent alcohol, so you're definitely pouring a couple of bottles. But as you know, bubbles go to the head very quickly. Doesn't matter the alcohol; it's going to get there. But but this being said, like there is, uh, I hesitate to use the word elegance, but there is a lot of nice fruit in the wine. Oh, fruit you know, for it's, sure. It's fruit cherry, for sure. It's uh, strawberries. Uh, I know you said you didn't get it, but like there's just a hint, like a flourish of cracked pepper going through it, letting you know that it is Gamay. I tasted it on the weekend. I tasted it again tonight. I continually wonder if, because we know it's Gamay, we put things in there, yeah. like pepper. But like I, I came I at this thing as... I would never do that. It's I came at this it. strictly with cherry, raspberry, great acidity, and a hint of citrus, just to keep it balanced. <laughs> I thought this was a beautiful wine, so easy drinking, and I can see why uh, people will screw like rabbits after they... <laughs> You know what? It, like we're we're coming after Christmas, we're coming on New Year's or, or after New Year's, but we're coming into Valentine's Day. This is a great wine, a great sweet wine to have with your sweetie. Yep. All right. So uh, moving on to another sparkling wine was the 2016 White Cap. Oh uh, yes, yeah. I'm actually enjoying that right now. See, Ron. that's too sweet for me. You really enjoyed that wine. You, I think that's another baby making wine. Uh, I find that. Just too sweet. Uh, See, I would call belt. this off dry, but I wouldn't call it sweet. I mean, this is it's not ice wine sweet, but no. I mean that's I, I I took a few sips of it and it, I found it hard to want more. Look, I'll, I'll tell you what. The thing about the white cap is that it's a great food wine because it does have that great acidity you expect from sparkling wine. The thing is, once you throw in the sweetness, it does take it a little bit less food friendly. Where like a great bottle of uh, champagne style method traditionnel. You know, blanc de blanc, something bone dry. I would pair that with a steak if I had the right steak. Yeah. Nothing overly seasoned. This, with that sweetness, it kind of takes the red meat off the table, which it isn't does. a bad thing. It you brings it I'm, more into the seafood area. Yep. I can see that. Uh, or Chinese, that, uh, Thai, yep. something, something a little spicier. Kind of where you would where you would put the the Rieslings and the Gewurztraminer category, I think. Yeah, and and I, and I really do hope that we continue to see this on wine lists in in Toronto because uh, I mean you can find it in a lot of places, but, but, but something that'll pair with your your white meats. But truthfully, Hinterland is doing doing such a stellar job, and you know what? Before we get on to the big hit from the Hinterland line, I want to save that one for later. Um, Please, let's save it for later. No, I'm going to get to it. But okay. what I want to talk about is. The Syrah that, oh. that they made. Oh, that's in, oh which, it's in my other glass. Which was... Uh, Look, 2016's been such a shitty year. I'm double fisting tonight. For those of you listening to this podcast... Put your pants back on. Please put your pants back no, no, on. No, no, no. I, but I, I have... But it was a 15 oh. Syrah, so don't 16 it already. But it was a 16 Wismer Park Vineyard. They call it the Red Herring because of the Red Herring on the label. <laughs> And, uh, Ask Vicky and Jonas about the red herring if you don't know the story, but I don't really want to. Well, you had tried it just after bottling, and you said you weren't that fond of it. No, I thought it had this like kind of funky barnyardy thing going on, where it's just like it was good. 
I think. But then I want to spend the money on because this wine is a little bit pricier. I think it's 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 around the thirty dollar mark. Let me uh, burn in front of the computer. Let's pull it up. But I you tell me what you think of it. I'll put but the price I mean, up. I, you know, I, now I'm tasting it. I guess six months after you, or or four months after you tasted it. Uh, almost out of almost out of tank. I guess you said it was just bottled, mm-hmm. and I thought this was starting to develop some absolutely gorgeous flavors to it. Some black pepper, cracked black pepper, some smokiness, some meatiness, some Montreal steak spice, but not too much meatiness. Like this isn't no, like, it's it not wasn't sinewy. Like it's just got this like nice kind of like smoky edge to it, and it was just it was just one of those wines that you go, you know what? I kind of I, I kind of enjoy this at thirty five dollars. Um, but here's the thing: at thirty five dollars, this does like it's approachable right now. I mean, it's it's it, the, the tannin isn't kicking kicking the crap out of your tongue. It, it's ready to go. But if I wanted to keep a, bo- a bottle for a few years, maybe three, yeah, to five I think years, I think definitely, yeah. Like oh, I, I, could I mean, see I wouldn't age this for like 10, 15 years, but like something to let it develop, even let it soften a little bit more, let that savory, like the black pepper, push out a bit. I mean, this is, uh, I mean, for table wines. Hinterland has had a few things kind of behind the counter. It's nice to see something that's on their website. And, yeah, and uh, it's a still wine. You know, it's finally they have a, a still wine. You knew sooner or later that uh, that Jonas was going to probably come out with something still. Oh, my God. And here, here we are. Like We've opened this. It was a couple of hours ago. Yeah, sorry. I nearly spilled on this. My God. But we opened this a couple of hours ago, and it's like completely opened up, which is just more evidence that this is a wine we should be holding on to and maybe aging for a couple of years. I, I think it's I think it's a, a lovely uh, Syrah, so good good for him. Now, I know you probably want to wait till the end of the podcast, talk, but I'm going to bring it up because we are still at Hinterland, and we are going to be talking briefly, because I know you could go on all day about this, the 2013 Les Etoiles. It's so good! Now, I know that you were a big fan of it. I liked it, too. It's so good. But you said it was the best thing he's made. I wouldn't say... It's, it's certainly the best version of Les Etoiles, and I don't know if we're going to agree on that, but maybe we'll save that and we can yell at each other later, because I actually don't know what you think of this wine. But I, I did like it, but when you said it was the best wine, see, that puts that in my head. Sorry. And I'm like, well, I don't think it is, because I think the best wine he's made is the 09 RD, which is the five-year on Lee's. You know what? I have an, an, an analogy for you. I have an analogy for you. Holy slur, yeah, I know. slurring man. I have an analogy for you about Lazy 12, but I'm going to save it till later. All right. That's what we refer to in the radio business as a tease. Okay. So Andre's teasing himself because I have no idea what he's talking about. So staying in the county, uh, we did happen to get a bottle of the 2015 Carlo Pinot Noir. Yes. And this is the first wine, uh, red wine, as far as I can figure, that uh, Derek Barnett, uh, who has his own little winery called uh, Melville. Melville Wines. Legendary winemaker. And yeah. I know From Laley Vineyard, yeah. He would be sitting there going, aw, shucks, if I told him that yep. to his face. But, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we've got the, uh, the Pinot Noir, 2015, 11 months in French, mainly old oak, yes. third and fourth fill. And uh, I just I I really liked this this wine. You know what? It, it once again it comes down to the fact I tasted the red herring shortly after bottling, and wasn't thrilled with it. I tasted the Pinot Noir from Carlo shortly after bottling, and I wasn't thrilled. I with think, it. I and think... I mean, the, and, and here's the thing: a good wine is still going to be good, no matter when, where, and and how you taste it. But there's certain circumstances that will affect. 
how good a wine can be when it's reached its potential. But always in the presence of a winemaker, always tastes better. So that's why I like getting wines away from yes. the winery and really giving it some sort of analysis. I still, uh, I did not try it freshly bottled. Most people will not let me try anything freshly bottled because they do want me to to taste it, uh, you know, three months into bottle or something because I, I do have... A, uh, you know a few rules well, that it, I say I you know I don't want to taste out of tank I'll taste but I'm not going to give you any notes I'll give you feedback but there's no notes and, to be and, had and I think this is very important because there are a few wines that make it to market I mean if I had to say there's one wine that makes the market way too early if everyone if you're new to this and you want to see what bottle shock tastes like buy the Trius Red the moment the vintages flip because that wine makes it from winery to the shelf of vintages very quickly so quickly and it's usually so tight. So tannic, so disjointed the moment you buy it. And I'm always quick to taste it because I'm looking forward to the, the new vintage. And now I kind of have an idea of what to expect. But if you wait three months, after three months, it's, it's literally like shaking a Polaroid picture. And that moment when the picture is completely developed, that's when you'll do it. Like you can see what the picture looks like. You kind of have an idea when you, when you kind of see the picture start to come into focus. But it's not until the picture is done focusing that you know it's ready to go. Well, I think this... this- this Pinot is, I, I really believe, a turning point for Carlo. I would agree. I, I think this is really lovely. It's got that Derek Barnett-esque to it, if you know what I mean. I think, you know, if you've ever been to Laley and you tasted the Pinots, you, you know what to expect from a Barnett wine. And I but- think Carlo has... God, finally, Derek is putting his stamp on some of these wines. But it, it's Derek in the county. This one is VQA Prince Edward County. Correct, Derek's, and it is, yeah. Derek's, uh, Derek's wines from Laley were all from Niagara. Yeah, so this so, is putting the, putting the Prince Edward County spin on it. And I, I believe it's non, non-estate fruit, although I'm not sure from where the wine comes from. You know what, at this from. point, that's not necessarily important no we'll see what, I'm just i saying. mean it, it does bode well for carlo to see what's going to happen in the future as Derek gets his hands on more of this fruit and things develop but that's i i think it's a, a good wine i was happy to taste it and um yeah so all right where are we going to go from here you know what uh we have let's to talk franc let's talk let's talk franc and uh i saw a post on I can't remember if it was Facebook or Twitter, but somebody posted, and it came as a complete surprise to me. I don't know why, but Brian Schmidt had two single vineyard Cab Franc along with his regular Cab Franc that this comes is, out. Uh, Brian Schmidt of Vineland, Vineland Estates. And uh, I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. So I, I, I texted with Brian and I said, hey, uh, we'd love to taste uh, those single vineyard. And he goes, great. I'll get you a couple bottles, but let me tell you something. He's got eight single vineyards coming out in 2016. And suddenly I got a chubby out of that one. I thought that was just, I was like, wow, somebody is doing it right for Cab Front. Well, because we've talked about it on an earlier podcast, and it's one where I had to concede a certain thing to you. There's a few wineries that are killing it with Cabernet Franc, really making it their halo wine. We have Trius with their red shell, which is always a top-notch wine. Two Sisters is really pushing the envelope. With and Taz has also done quite a few single vineyard Cab Franc, but I don't think anybody has ever done eight. So I yes. am uh, looking sorry, forward. Uh, Southbrook. Eight. 
Uh, eight single vineyard. I would need to check check it. I don't think anybody's done eight. You know what? You wax nostalgic. I'm going to pull up the post. All right. right. So I, I got in touch with Brian. We got these wines. So we have a uh, the regular one that's $15. And i got to look over my notes here for a second. So we have the regular Cab Franc 2014. We have the 2014 Van Beers Vineyard. And we have the Briar Creek Vineyard. And you pulled did something eight. up. Southbrook did eight. Now the eight vineyard or eight or are they eight? Eight parcels, eight eight sections of barrels. Twenty thirteen, not okay, so, eight individual vineyards. But okay, so let, let's face it: we need if we're going to talk about people taking Cabernet Franc seriously, we need to talk about Anne Sperling and we need to talk about Southbrook. Hats off to Anne and to Brian, but we're talking about Brian's wine. We're talking right about now. Brian's right now. So looking forward to these eight single vineyards, and uh, we got to get Brian on the podcast to Can't talk wait. about Cab Franc one. Uh, maybe before that, before the 2016s come out, and then after, uh, where we can have uh, have him and those eight wines, and we can talk about them. Can't and, wait, and Brian! Really, and you're really, on notice, and really geek out on uh, on Cab Franc. Well, because you and I have, have talked. I mean, the podcast in, in question, we're talking about how you know Pinot Noir is sort of the the, the halo wine of, of Niagara, from you know Norman Hardy to Derek Barnett. To Thomas Bachelder, I mean, these are names where if you're talking to someone who's serious about Ontario wine, no one would associate these legendary winemakers necessarily with Bordeaux varietals, except yeah. for Derek. Derek does a great Derek yeah, does a Derek great does job. a great franc also, yeah. But like I, even when I spoke earlier tonight, I talked about how Lot Forty Eight has a, a very personal yeah, uh, connection to me. Yeah. But I mean, and 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 to Derek, I think Pinot has a special place in his art. So does Chardonnay. But I think Pinot but, but really but is. We're not his. seeing enough people with Cabernet Franc giving it. The serious treatment, and of, you and I have both of have eight both. of eight releases in yes. one vintage. Which like, is I think a lot. Which it's is a lot. lot. That's a lot. That's a that's a lot of of putting yourself out there with one grape variety. So we really disagreed on this on the first wine, which was the 2014 Cab Franc. Yeah, which is the fifteen dollar version. Yes, I called this wine simple. I called it. I I did not dislike it. I liked it. I thought it was. Simple raspberry tobacco. It was it was right down the line where I wanted it to be, but not wanted it to be. And the thing is, I got a little bit more than you did. Granted, when I tasted it the first time, I I thought that this was ridiculous wine. I thought it was outstanding. Now I was too ahead of you, but yep. go ahead. But on the second taste, when I when I did the lap, when I tasted through a couple of other wines, came back to it. It just didn't quite hold up. That being said, I mean. I hesitate to talk. I called you. I called you names when you started giving you your scores. You did, and I'm not going to say what the, the original score I gave the wine was. Uh, nor am I going to say what the score is right now because that's not necessarily important. But the thing is, this wine goes for about 15 bucks a bottle. What I said on my second tasting was, I wish I had this bottle in the house when I was making my coco bang on the weekend because this is the sort of wine that you need to have in the house when you're making a sauce, when you're making something that calls for a bunch it's of wine. It's $15 a bottle, and I think it's 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 there. Well, and the key thing, and I know we haven't done the podcast on it yet, but it's on the list, is you shouldn't cook with anything you wouldn't drink. Correct. That's very and I'm true. I'm absolutely thrilled to have this bottle in my house to drink. And if I have people who are new to wine or are hesitant about red wine, or are hesitant about Franck, or just want to know what good Ontario red wine tastes like, I'm always happy to pour them the Cabernet Franc from Vineland. So I was very close when you started telling me what you thought of that wine to to pulling out the uh, Saturday Night Live Jane, you ignorant slut. <laughs> uh, but I didn't at that point, because uh, I saved it for this moment. Yep. And uh, then we moved on to the two single vineyards. So yes. there was the 2014 Van Beers. Yeah. 
and the 2014 Briar Creek. Yes. And uh, I really loved those wines. They are about $30, if I'm not mistaken, $28, $30 uh, per uh, bottling. And I thought they brought Cab Franc to a different level. I liked the interesting part about the Van Beers was its tannic nature, was its kind of punch you in the face. Uh, and the and the Briar Creek just kind of, you know, brought it back a little bit and added a little more elegance to that wine. See, the thing about these particular wines... $25. 20, yeah, right. $25. Okay, $25 a bottle. These are ridiculous. But the thing about these wines is it's a bit of a turning point for Niagara. And I know Brian's been a champion and Vineland have been a champion of Cabernet Franc for quite some time now. But... Um, even now, and I have to catch myself, like I was recently just writing some blog posts about uh, my visit to, to British Columbia. The thing is, if you drink red wine from BC, it's not quite Bordeaux when you drink it. It's not quite California. But I really don't feel it's fair to necessarily compare a wine region to another. The thing is, if you want something that's a bit of a mindfuck, I think that's the first time I may have dropped that one on, on oh, this podcast. Hashtag mindfuck. But uh, I... It's just the fact that Cabernet, good Cabernet Franc from Ontario is unapologetic about where it comes from. And I think that's why Cabernet Franc is important. It's not Bordeaux. He's hammering the desk, folks. It's not California. But it, it's the thing is, Cabernet Franc is so important to, to Niagara and, and even to Prince Edward County for the people who are doing it there. Because it, it, it isn't Chinon. It's, it's not Bordeaux. It's not trying to be anything except what it is, which is Niagara red wine. And it's good regardless of vintage. Yeah, okay, 10, 12... Hot vintage, we get a little bit closer to Bordeaux, and I can't not make that comparison or I'd be shitty at what I'm doing. But 13, 14, we talk about wines from Back 10 Cellars, we talk about wines from Rosewood. 13 delivered this beautifully elegant with nice structure, wines that are going to age. But, uh, I mean, it's in the off vintages where you can see what, how a wine region really performs. And 14, there's nothing spectacular about 14 when I look at my notes. It was a pretty typical summer, not too hot, not like... I don't remember anything outstanding about 14 as a summer, but these single vineyards... I'm going on a rant. I am absolutely are, going on a rant You right are, now. and 13, I thought, was very very similar to 14. But, but the thing is... The but with, a, with, a, wines, with like a lot these, of fruit. With yeah. a lot of fruit. And the 14, 14, the difference... are, are great. Like, the difference the, with 14 is we had a bad winter, so you yeah. had less crop. And uh, I really liked uh, I really liked these single vineyard. And, and what it really made me think is, wow, I can't wait for the 2016s. To really see the, the difference. Here's the thing. 16 is going to be a, a crapshoot because we got a wet fall. It was damp pretty much after. A lot of people, they got their You're white. You're talking 16? Did you live 16, the same? yeah. Did you live the same 16 I did? I live in Niagara. It I, was there are, rainy in the fall. There were people who still had fruit. It was wine, a rainy wine, October. Winemakers loved it. Winemakers loved okay. it across the board. Winemakers loved it. But is there any winemaker who's going to compare 2016 to 2012 or 2010? They do compare them because they have to compare them to a vintage, and they're going to tell you there's a little bit of a difference, but I think 16 is going to be one of those vintages for the ages. You just wait. You just wait. I can't wait to taste them, but from what I've heard from winemakers as well, and we're talking to people who let their fruit hang a little bit later, the people who want to compare Niagara to Bordeaux, it's going to be a little dicey because we got a lot of rain in October and November. Speaking to, uh, let's say, Marco Piccoli from uh, Jackson Triggs, he was very happy with the vintage, and the only problem that he had, I think, was early November, was he had to get the fruit off. He yep. wanted to get the fruit off finally and get those last varietals in. Okay, so I maybe the cab, so maybe the Syrah is, has got to come off, 
but I think up until that point, everybody was very happy. I, I would agree with, with that. With I mean, hot, dry on. summer, like drought conditions, little vine stress is good for which, which everybody loves. I can't wait to taste the Chardonnay from sixteen. I know you're so excited for it. Oh yeah, you know that. Okay, so, so I'm going to get you off the Chardonnay topic. <laughs> so uh, Brian, just uh, just finishing with you. Thank you very much for those wines. It's a real eye opener, and I'm I really can't wait for the uh, for the sixteens. I really like the Briar Creek. If I had to pick one of the three, yeah, a uh, little bit more depth, a little bit like a little bit of licorice, a little bit of smoke, a little bit of cocoa on top of the raspberry, strawberry. The thing is, the fruit was really ripe, not not jammy, but like so ripe where it's just like, oh my god, this wine just smells like you know a perfect jar of like country made jam without a lot of shit put into it. And while I agree with you, the Briar Creek was my favorite at the moment, I do believe the Van Beers has got a long life ahead of it. So that was in your glass? My glass is, uh, is the, um, this is the Briar Creek, okay, I'm which has got that beautiful second. floral note to it. Ooh, it smells uh, yeah. a little poopy now, but that's good. I mean, like... It's good poop. Like, like horse farm good, and to be honest... But it's got also a little floral, so it's, uh, so it's a violets buried in shit. Mmm. 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 Mm. Can't Brian, can you please put this in Magnum? I hope you're listening to this. Okay, so our last beverage mm-hmm. is is actually not, and this is the first time wait, you're going to try wait, this. Wait, wait, wait. Before we get into that, do we want to talk about the one from Hinterland we skipped, or are we saving that still? We talked about Les Etoiles. Did we talk about Les Etoiles? I don't think we were. Yeah, we did. were there. You were drinking uh, still White Cap at that time. Okay. What did you want to say about Les Etoiles? Because I told you that I don't think it's his best wine, although I think it's up there. I you think, think it's his best the, wine. I do think Les Etoiles is the best version of Les Etoiles that Hinterland has made. It's approachable from the get-go, where I found previous vintages need a bit of time to kind of come together. And this is dangerous in a wine. I know it costs $40 a bottle, but that's still cheaper than good entry-level champagne. It's, and it's something that you'll have a hard time holding on to in the cellar because it's so approachable from the get-go. See, where I argue with you is I really loved his... Oh nine, uh, Les Etoiles, which was right. uh, in five years on Lees, and uh, would would to me came within a hair of being five stars. Now four now, and a half plus. Would you give the two thousand fifteen Les Etoiles that score? No, I would give it a four and a half, but I wouldn't give the O nine a four and a half plus. But that being said, the way I would the RD it, the RD the the one that was on on um, yes, I, on lease for five years. Oh yeah, I shotgun a bottle of that this summer. Oh, you're just okay. I don't know what's going on. Okay, with you. but but that being said, here here's here's the analogy. You're a belligerent okay. drunk. Okay, but here's the analogy that I think you're gonna get. It's like someone walks up to you with a handful of keys, and one's to like a Ferrari three fifty eight, the other one's for an Enzo Ferrari. You really gonna complain? You got choice between two different Ferraris to, to drive from. Be, being that I'm not really a car guy, anyway. Okay, but let's just say someone's giving you, you, you got in one hand the key to one Ferrari and the, in the other hand a key to another So you got car. a, uh, like, alright. Like, they're both cars and, and keys and wines you'd be happy to open up. I would not complain about either one of those. And I am comparing these wines to Ferraris, so I, can, think, I think we're pretty high up. There. Can I com- can I compare these wines to a summer day? Champagne's right. a, champagne and sparkling wine are like a year-round thing in this household. So I ho- Hashtag just because sparkling. I Look, don't talk to me about sparkling. I have sparkling wine Friday. I have a sparkling wine every Friday. Hashtag sparkling wine Friday or sparkling Friday. We always open a bottle of sparkling Friday. And why? Just because. Hashtag just because sparkling. Okay. So, in my hand, and we haven't tried this one. Nope. 
So this is going to be... And, and this is outside our comfort zone. Yes. Uh, I am not uh, a fan of, of what this is. And I don't know if you are, because I, I, don't, I, I, I don't think we've ever opened anything like this. Okay, yes. now this is a full disclosure moment. When I'm not drinking wine, I'm drinking whiskey. All right, so hashtag drinking whiskey. <laughs> so, so what one I one of these hashtags will eventually take off. So yeah, we just keep hashtagging everything, ladies and gentlemen. I do want you to um, just put in your in the back of your mind hashtag dirty wings. It will come up <laughs> in the new year, but I want you to put it in your head hashtag dirty wings. I'd like you to start that hashtag anytime soon. Hey, Super Bowl's coming up. Trust me, you want to know hashtag dirty wings. Anyone who saw my Instagram feed at Andre Wine Review on Grey Cup Sunday. You'll understand hashtag dirty wings, and you won't think they're so dirty. No. Anyways. Speaking of dirty, what we have here is the Wayne Gretzky. Oh, as you shit. Know, as you know, uh, Wayne Gretzky is opening up his winery and distillery in Niagara. And it should be in the spring of 2017. If you've ever driven down 55 in the last year, you'll have seen the building go up. It's a couple of doors north of, um, of Trius. Yep. And uh, it's right off the roundabout. Correct. And the distillery is obviously making uh, whiskey. So this is Wayne Gretzky number 99 Red Cask Premium Canadian Whiskey. And what it is, is it is aged, from my understanding, in red wine barrels. And I also understand they're making one done in Vidal wine barrels, if you can believe it. So this is the Red Cask uh, Premium Whiskey. And uh, I have, uh, I've, I tried it. A few days ago, and uh, this is the first time I'm going to try it with you. Uh, whiskey obviously does not uh, do anything when the bottle's open, because <laughs> it still smells mm. exactly like uh, like it did. Vanilla. I just get so much vanilla on the mid-palate. But the best part about this whiskey is it finishes smooth. Like, uh, even last year, I'm a fan of Crown Royal. I like rye whiskey. I prefer bourbon, because I find you can get bourbon that's a little smoother. Rye, even good rye, is a little harsh. This has such a smooth finish off the back palate and this is by by no means a spirits taster so my notes aren't necessarily complicated but i like this he shoots he scores well the the uh, the, <laughs> the people i tried it with said that the, it just it just needed an ice cube you know what i like my whiskey with a bit of an ice cube i find it does take away the edge off the front um you don't want to put more than one ice cube in yeah, they well, just wanted, what, a, you know they wanted a big ice cube. I'm not going to tell people how to drink the whiskey because everyone likes it a little bit different. But personally, I find when you put an ice cube, a good-sized ice cube, in, in a good whiskey, it takes some of the like spice and char off of it, and it brings out a little bit more of the fruit. Like I, I find with a good bourbon, like with Eagle Rare, when I put an ice cube in it, uh, it starts to smell and taste like maraschino cherries, which can be both good and bad because if you're trying not to drive anywhere... Having a drink that tastes like maraschino cherries can be a very dangerous thing. I would say. See, not a, not being a, a whiskey uh, drinker, I have um, I posted this on Facebook the night that we opened this, and um, I think that it. Um, uh, I, I think I'm I'm slowly coming around to liking it better. Again, you can it's really neat. taste the barrel in it. Like it, it it's it's definitely got oak to it. Hmm. Yeah. But again, not not a, a whiskey fan. But I, I could see myself not drinking a lot of it, but in but enjoying it to a small degree. 
You know what? Um, You're more I, of a as, whiskey as someone drinker who, drink, than I. who drinks uh, a little bit more whiskey, I can see this making a great old fashioned. Uh, I can see this. I know we're on the end of the season, but I'm also a proponent of drinking eggnog outside of just Christmas. I think this would be great in eggnog. It's just got a little bit of flavor. It would push up the flavor of the eggnog. Um, I can see this being great in a whiskey sour. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just not a fan of Ryan Coke, so you never make, hear me say that. I just, if you want to drown out the taste of your whiskey in, in, in Coke, then maybe you should buy cheaper whiskey or crappier whiskey. This is a good whiskey. This is a premium whiskey. It's, it's tasty. All right, I will go with you. I just said my biggest slug of it that I've ever had, and I'm not coughing, so that's always a that's always a good sign. So maybe I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm maturing, which is kind of sad. I don't believe that. I don't either. Not for a second. I hope not. I don't need that. Granted, I know my birthday's tomorrow, but I mean, yeah, I don't need to mature that much. All right. Well, I think on this note, we've tasted through a few wines. We've never done a tasting like this on the podcast, but we hope people have enjoyed it. I hope I you're gonna buy some of these wines. Yes. Yes, because I know, especially single vineyard stuff, especially at twenty five bucks a bottle from Vineland, isn't going to stick around. Lazy Twelve, I rushed to the winery to buy it because that wine generally doesn't stick around. I know, a while. I know the O nine RD that I that I talked about; it's long gone, long uh, gone. The Red Herring, I don't imagine that's going to stick around a while. So no, the four the fourteen Cab Franc, you can always buy up until they change it to the fifteen, like just the straight uh, Vineland. Uh, and I can't believe Carlo is going to be sticking around with this uh, with this Pinot for for long. You know, it's for Derek's first first I, foray I, I into Prince Edward County I Pinot. That selling very quickly, and to, and to be perfectly honest, like I know it's it's uh, thirty five bucks a bottle, but I do hope to see that on some wine list in the city. So if you're a sommelier listening to this and you're looking to pick up some of that wine, I would be happy to see it on some wine list. And, and finally, if you're uh, looking to get laid anytime soon, baby maker. The um, the ancestral is the way to go. It definitely is. You know what? Happy New Year, Michael, to the next year of Two Guys Talking Wine. Happy New Year, Andre. Andre, winereview.ca. MichaelBingusWineReview.com. And good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.